Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house, to be, Lord, prepare our hearts and our minds. Quiet us for an opportunity to hear your voice. Lord, as we read your word, as we hear what you have for us this morning. Prepare us. Open our eyes that, Lord, we would see when you're working in and around us. You're continually moving. Continually working. And Lord, on our end, it's, it's a matter of not paying attention. And so, Lord, I ask that you would quiet our hearts this morning. Help us to hear your voice, to see your hand, to recognize your provision in our lives. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is Esther's chapter 6. That night the king could not sleep. Anybody not sleep last night? <laughs> Deshaun, you didn't sleep last night? Woke up five times. You and Amy. Amy was up on half the night, too. I slept perfect. <laughs> that night the king could not sleep, so he ordered... Here's the answer to anyone who cannot sleep. I have it. The Bible tells us. He ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bigtha and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done, the attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole that he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king answered, asked him, what should be done for a man that the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on his head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man and the king delights to honor and lead him on a horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai, the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything that you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse and he robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what the Lord has done for the man the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate. 
But Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were still talking, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be together. We thank you for your love and care, for your desire for us to follow you. Lord, we ask that we'd open our hearts, open our minds, prepare ourselves to see you work. In your name we pray, amen. And you may be seated, unless you're a kid, and then you can run. Yeah. Running is good. That's what they told me in school. Phys ed. Exactly. Isn't this phys ed? Oh. In English class, they frown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how would you know, homeschooler? <laughs> Ah, hey, I have a video. Can we play that video? Thanks. It's only like two minutes. Thanks, Brian. I forgot about it until just now. It's okay. Don't worry about it, Brian. Now it'll probably play right now. <laughs> it was okay. It was just an introduction of uh, um, talking about flipping the script. And so I'll just talk about that. We'll just talk about that for a minute here. Um, I, I want you to think about those times in life where, uh, where you knew how something was going to turn out. You knew how it was going to end. You knew it wasn't going to be good. You knew someone's life was on the line, or it was inevitable that something was going to happen, and God stepped in and flipped the script. Situations like when you're in an accident and you're told you'll never walk again, and you walk into church most every Sunday morning. And when you aren't here, we, we know you're not here because you're not in your spot. Right, Kelly? <laughs> Those moments when our marriage is over and all that's left is essentially signing the papers. And God flips the script. Right, guys? Those moments when there's cancer and the outlook isn't real bright. And God flips the script. Those moments when we're addicted to something and we're stuck 
and we can't get out from under it. And then we're able to give praise for 18 years of sobriety. Amen. God flips the script. All too often, and thank you, Chuck, for being honest. I appreciate that. All too often, we're more than willing to take the pat on the back that we did it. And I appreciated what Chuck had to say this morning. It wasn't me, it was God. I was trapped in that circle. And all the time we see God working in and behind and in our lives. Now, sometimes we're willing to admit that it's God. But all too often, my sense is we think we are the ones that made the change. We are the ones that did the, the work. I, I think about Jason and Lori and Lori's testimony of faith of having a child. And four rug rats later, right? <laughs> uh, those are just a few examples, right? We could, I could go down through each buddy's, everybody's rows. If we take the time, if we stop long enough to think about it, we recognize that God is working in and behind the scenes. He's working in our lives, even um, when it's not uh, always comfortable, even when it's not uh, always recognizable right off the bat, even when sometimes we don't like it. God is still working in and around and working out the best. There have been moments in my own life where I wanted to give up and quit and I wanted to stop and and, and, and it was like God was still working in behind the scenes. And today we see God working in a very, uh, me, uh, to me, I think it's kind of funny. Poor Haman, right? Before we go too far, let's talk about what God's providence or provision is. God's providence, hardly understood by the wisest man, is able to accomplish things which are beyond human comprehension and power. The reality is this, even though we can't figure it out, even though it doesn't add up, it doesn't, one plus one now equals three instead of two, right? Even though there are times in life where we can't answer the question how it worked out, right? There's that under, I probably have told the story, but there's an underpass in northeast right there by Ridgerack, and I came through there one snowy, icy day, and I was in my little Ford Ranger, and uh, I came through there, and of course, there's only enough room for two vehicles, and, and here comes a big Suburban, and it's losing it, and it's, it is so much like in my lane, and if you know that spot, you know you're underneath there, there's nowhere you're going, you can't get out, there's nowhere to go, and on each side, that side on the on the east side is a fence, it's uh, four feet high, and on the west side, there's a, an eight-inch step-up. No, you're not going to get out of the way. There's no getting out of the way, and it's all ice underneath that. Uh, it had been wet and froze, and the suburban come down, uh, coming north was coming and was losing it and was in my lane. And all I could think of is, I wonder how bad this is going to hurt. My little Ford Ranger is going to get... Uh, gonna get a dent in the front. Not really. I'm thinking, hope I survive this one. And that that suburban came so far over to the right that it was on the berm, so it's in my lane. There is nowhere for me to go. 
and I literally cut to the left into the wrong lane, and I can tell you that it couldn't have been more than a quarter of an inch. We never touched. We never touched. He had no control over his vehicle. I was trying to get out of the way. We never touched. But by the grace of God, that truck would have been pretty well beat up, and I probably would have been beat up as well. That's just one example. There are so many examples in our life as we walk through this journey. If we're willing to look for God working in our life, we can see Him working in our life. The problem tends to be, all too often, we, don't, we aren't looking. We're not looking for Him to work in our life. Remember where we were last week? When we ended last week's chapter, Haman had, was going to build, build the gallows, right? 50 cubits high, 75 foot uh, tall gallows, preparing to take out Mordecai. His intent when he showed up at the king's palace in the morning was what? What was he going to do? I'm going to get him. Stinking guy's been hanging out at the gate. He won't bow when I walk by. I hate him. Not only do I hate him, I hate his people. And I was going to take out all the Jews, but I can't wait any longer. Remember, remember Haman's uh, wife Zeresh and, their, and his friends, they're talking about it. They're like, why don't you just take that bum out? The king likes you. The queen likes you. How bad can it be? Just go there in the morning. I'll tell you what to do. Just build the gallows, go there in the morning, and the king's going to give you what you want anyway. By the end of tomorrow, Mordecai will be dead. It's going to be a good day. My sense is that when Haman showed up, he was excited. He was excited for the day because he knew that once and for all, he would take Mordecai out. And then, and then, the king says, what do you think we should do to honor this guy? <laughs> what do you think we should do to honor the guy that I forgot to honor before? And it isn't like us to say, you know what? You should really treat this guy with a nice pat on the back. Probably should take him to the straw hat for ice cream. Probably should, right? Haman's like, yeah. Yeah, who else could be better than me, right? Humility at its finest. And God flips the script again. He turns it upside down in chapter 6. Mordecai, if, because if we just read it out, Mordecai's dead, Haman's uh, second in command, and riding the horse, and someone's walking him around telling him how great he is. His friends and family love him. His wife thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. Right? Sliced bread's pretty good, especially this time, right? They didn't have slicers like they have it now. And God flips all of that upside down. This morning as we, we look at this passage. Now this is a weird picture, right? Take a second look. Maybe a third look. When I saw the picture, I was like, that's really odd, and yet I like it. <laughs> the car is designed with the wheels on 
upside down on purpose. I mean, obviously, I don't know why. If you want to know, you can Google it. I, don't, I, I have no clue. I just like the picture. kind of reminded me that things sometimes are upside down from, uh, from how they should be or could be or might be. And in today's passage, we see that God provides uh, in being blessed. You know, we, we, we make fun of the fact that the king isn't able to sleep, and so he has, decides he's going to have the Chronicles read. I'm sure that was uh, exciting reading. I once was at Camp Judson on a weekend retreat when a bunch of young men wouldn't quiet down. And a wise co-leader, we'll name him, we'll just, we'll just I'll protect him. I'll give you the name, uh, I think, we'll just use the name Mark. How's that? <laughs> Said, if you, always don't sl- if you guys don't settle down, I'm going to start to read. And what does he read? Psalm 119, right? Which happens to be the longest psalm. And in Mark, n- not that Mark. <laughs> Mark's most monotone, ridiculously slow-paced, painful. It put me right to sleep. (laughs) He starts reading Psalm 119. It was no less than genius. You could sell it. You could sell Mark saying Psalm 119. It worked like a charm. We couldn't get those boys to settle down at all. So Mordecai, or the King Xerxes is listening to the Chronicles. Because he can't sleep. He's like, ah, why don't you read me the Chronicles? And in the middle of the Chronicles, he says, wait a minute, I forgot about Mordecai. This guy saved my life. What did we do for him? Did we give him, did we give him anything? Did we do anything for this guy? He saved my life. He protected me. Did we give him a thank you card at least? A gift card to... Uh, Red Lobster, what do, we, what do we give to this Mordecai guy? We didn't give him anything. Nothing. We didn't even mention his name in the, in the church bulletin last week. We got to do something for this guy. What, how do we record? So what are we going to give him? Today we would give him a participation award, right? We'd give him that nice trophy. Today we might give him something. Mordecai was going to be blessed. And God provided in that blessing. And we might think this is kind of a silly blessing. We might think it's an odd blessing. I'll tell you what we're going to (laughs) do. Right? Haman, what would you do? Haman, what would you do? Right? What, could, what, what, what might we do for a guy we really like who's done something really good? Well, you know what I think we should do? We should probably put the king's robe on him, one that he's worn and it smells good, right? And a horse that the king has ridden, and we, we put someone on the, on the reins, and we walk him around, and we, we tell the, the whole city how great this man is, thinking that Xerxes is going to do that for Haman. That's so hilarious to me. And Haman's, uh, uh, Xerxes says, great idea. 
Go get the horse. <laughs> Find a robe. And walk Mordecai around the city. Reminding everyone how good Mordecai is. That's right. Don't yeah, that's right. Don't don't miss any of the details, right? Make sure he looks good. Make sure his hair is done and his beard's trimmed. Whatever he had to do, make sure everything is perfect. Talk about a, a kick in the shin, right? Haman went with the idea that he was going to be the guy. I'll be the man today. And Xerxes says, hey, go take, uh, go take your best friend Mordecai. Are we not good at taking a blessing? Are we not good in, in, in accepting and enjoying and appreciating God's blessing in our life? Are we not good at that? Anyone not like being blessed by God? Anyone in the balcony? No, I don't see anybody in the balcony either. Everybody seems to like being blessed by God. Let me ask you the harder question. Are you able to offer a blessing when God blesses you? Are you able to accept that when someone else is blessed by God? I wonder how often that when we see someone else who is blessed by God, that we struggle. That we struggle internally. We would never say it out loud, but we struggle internally that someone else, what did they do that was so, be- so much better? Don't you think Haman walked around? What did, what did Mordecai do that was so much better than me? And why do I have to drag this stupid horse around? I wish we would have just said, give him a cupcake, Right? Give him a cake and let's send him home. But it reminds me in, in my own life how I sometimes struggle with other people's blessings. If God chooses to bless someone else, it's sometimes not as easy as I want it to be to be able to be thankful or excited for their blessing. Sometimes I have a harder time Hey, their business is good. Their job is, they're doing a great job. Their job is great. They're making money hand over fist. Their house is beautiful. It's perfect. Look at their family. They have 2.3 kids. Right? That's the average kids per household these days. Cats. Yeah, who count cats as 0.3? Good question, Mackenzie. That was good. The reality is this. We're good at believing that we deserve God's blessing. We have a whole lot harder time understanding God's grace and blessing to other people. And if you don't believe me, check yourself. When someone gets a new car and yours isn't so new. Or when someone gets blessed in a healing and it's not so much you. Or when God's working in someone else's life to draw him or her close to them. And it feels that he's so far away. We're much better 
at believing that we deserve it, that somehow we have earned it. And a whole lot less good, right? Less gooder at offering that grace to other people. We would love to be Mordecai riding that horse for all the world to see. We sure as heck wouldn't want to be Haman dragging that horse around, would we? Why? Because internally we, have, we are selfish people. We are selfish humans. It's our flesh... It's our fleshly desire. God provides by blessing another. Did you see that? Well, we saw that. We've been talking about is the king says, "Hey, what should be done for that man? Who is the who would rather? Uh, is there any other way that the king would rather honor me?" And I just want you to think this morning for a minute about being Haman, about being the guy who has to do the horse, uh, about dragging the horse around. Right? Same picture, but now we're on the other end. It's the same picture. But now we're the one dragging the horse around. And let me make it a little more real. How about those times God blesses you in any which way to Tuesday, and you're given an opportunity to bless someone else with what you have been given? How about those times when God has blessed you with a checking account that has plenty to cover this week, next week, and next month, and next year, and 10 years? Are you willing to give of the gifts that God has given you? How about the ability to fix a vehicle or uh, to repair uh, some carpentry work or whatever it is? Are you willing to give of those blessings God has blessed you with? Or are we holding everything as tight as we can hold it? 1 Peter 4.10 tells us, each one of us should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others. That's why you have the gifts. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God has not gifted you for your pleasure. He has not gifted you for your pleasure. He has gifted you to share that blessing with others. He will supply our needs. He also asks us to help supply the needs of others. We see that in the New Testament version where churches would collect funds for churches that weren't able to support themselves. And I believe it's still that is God's desire and design for us today. But we live in a world where we have to have lots. We have to have our pockets full. We have to... He said he'll, he'll supply our every need. Our daily bread. Are you willing? Are you willing to share the blessings God has given you with someone else? Are you willing to take the things in life that you've been given, and make sure someone else feels blessed as well. Is that not part of the Christian faith? Is that not part of our walk? 
There was a sacrifice given for each one of us. The blood of Jesus was the sacrifice. Do you think Jesus expects um, just 10 minutes in, replace, in, in uh, replacing the time that, that he gave his life? No, it says we should be given it all. Give all, everything we have. That's what Christianity is about. That's what the walk is about. The, the walk in our faith is about giving it all. Not throwing a 20 in the plate and feeling like, Man, good job me. Right? And I'm not talking about money. <laughs> this, the scriptures talk about giving everything, our life, our time, our energy, our gifts, our abilities. Are you willing to share those with others? Are you willing to take the time? See, I think we'd throw 20 bucks in the plate any day over spending uh, two or three hours trying to do something we don't have time for. Right? Because time takes time. And my time is valuable. But am I willing to give? I, I, the, Brentley asked for some volunteers this week. And I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you. We're looking for some people to just jump in and be bodies to help uh, some of the classes. We know that probably some of the classes are going to have more kids than others. That's the reality. There are going to be some classes where someone might not be able to be there one night. There's going to be some time uh, and energy to put things out and about. It is not about keeping busy for the week of EBS. Just help, let me help you understand what you're doing. You are working for the kingdom. Young people's lives, old people's lives will be changed this week. Don't minimize it. Don't think about it as, oh, I'm going to be a long week. <sighs> yep, it's going to be a long week. I told my wife yesterday, I'm I think I'm a little more tired on the wrong side. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm going to have to start drinking a Coke every day. I'll work my way up to four or five Cokes. I'll catch it. You're right, Kenny. Uh, you know why I'll catch my second wind? Because the first night when I see about uh, eight or 10 or 12 kids go back and, and ask Jesus into their heart, if that doesn't excite you, you're messed up. We should be begging to find a spot to be involved. Get off the sidelines. Because Jesus is working in and amongst us. And he will work this year just like he's worked every other year. And we will see people's lives changed. We will see young people's lives changed. I just saw on, the, on Facebook the uh, young Callan Smith, and I think it was 16, 2016, he came to Christ. And I don't know what God's going to do with that young man. He's in the Dominican Republic with his family right now. But he's a pretty dynamic young man. Some would call him ADHD maybe, I don't know. He's pretty wound tight. He's just one example of, of so many young people who have made uh, faith commitments during VBS. It's not about how much money we raise for the fire department or whatever we're doing. It's not about what we eat or I think this year maybe getting a trim job. 
Brentley got his early. It's not about those things. It's about who's gonna who's going to enter the kingdom this week. It's about sharing the gospel with two to three hundred people. That's a blessing. Don't kid yourself. If you offered to fill in or help out this week, even one or two days, I promise you, it's money back guarantee that you will be blessed by the time you spend working with uh, those children and or adults wherever you land. If I'm wrong, come see me. If not, jump in and help. We had a couple that came last year and they said, you know what, it's so great. It was so great to come to Vacation Bible School that we want to be involved. And it was awesome. I saw them on the list last week when we had our, our meeting. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the way God works. We just want to be a part. I'm already over time, that's good. But God provides through the flip of a script. And Mordecai, when he went home, uh, he went back to the palace, and Haman, obviously, the script went up, was upside down for him, and he sure as heck didn't like it much. We just had a situation two weeks ago in this church, a family in our church, trying to buy a house, had one fall through. Might have had two fall through, I'm not sure. Anyway, they were involved, trying to find a place to stay, needed a house, came on a Wednesday night and said, we thought we were going to get this house, but the, they won't allow us to get that much money and the people probably aren't going to go down that low. And So all in all, there's really very little chance that we're going to be able to move and get this new house, this different house, not new, different. Would you at least pray with us or pray for us? Um, we're hoping it works out, but, but right now the, the, it just doesn't look good. They were almost, you know, were pretty broken about it. And in the next week, it all sorted out. They bought the house. They, they did the paperwork. It's a done deal. And God worked upside. He flipped the script on their life. Question is, do you believe? Do you believe that God can flip the script in your life? I believe that that some came today. Some came this morning feeling pretty hopeless. Some came this morning struggling to get in the door. Some came this morning probably wondering why they were even here. I heard a great story about Judson this week. About a young man who made it to Judson didn't even know why he was there. Didn't even know why he was there. But somehow, in God's providence, he happened to show up. He happened to hear a Vesper that the speaker wasn't even sure about why he was speaking it. And then he was challenged by what he heard. I just wonder how often in our life those opportunities come in front of us. Obviously, it 
came in front of us at one point for us to have a chance to believe. Or if you're not a believer, maybe, maybe today is the day for you to have a chance to believe that God can work in your life like he has not ever before. Maybe the opportunity will be you're going to get a chance to share your faith with someone this week in a very new and real way. Maybe you'll get a chance to share with a young person who needs to be reassured of what their faith is, to understand who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you'll walk into Walmart and someone will need to hear the gospel. Maybe someone you walk into or talk to this week will just need to be loved on. Do you believe that God can flip the script in your own life? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this passage, this story this morning. And Lord, how backwards and upside down it really did turn out from where it headed, where it's headed. And we're reminded, Lord, in our own story, our own life, how we were headed in a bad direction, the wrong direction, and you were directing our path. And at some point, we came to the cross, and we recognized our sin. We recognize that we need you. And Lord, you turned turned the script upside down for us. The love of Jesus, his perfection, made all the difference. We went from a death sentence to eternal life. We were in Mordecai's shoes. We didn't even know. And you came and and saved the day. Thank you for your love, your care. Thank you for giving us a hope in an otherwise hopeless world. In your name we pray. Amen.